The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. The latest trends and hottest topics, love and sex, handled honestly and with passion. Here's Dr. Lori, CJAD 800. Sitting in tonight is Paris Mansouri. Welcome to Passion, a show all about love, sex, and relationships. Dr. Lori is away. She is on vacation. And as you just heard, my name is indeed Paris. Um, I begin the show every time when I get to sit in for her. I'm not a doctor. So because she is away and during this time, every evening, every weeknight that you join us, I will have an expert on a topic in to talk about whatever issues we are discussing that night. So last night, if you missed it, we spoke with an adult entertainment industry veteran. Her name is Asa Akira, tenure veteran. She's a f- performer, a director, um, an author, a podcaster. If you missed the conversation, I am willing to bet that it's an insightful conversation that will probably give you a different perspective on adult performers, why they get into it, and in how they view themselves. Are they empowered? Do they feel degraded? Uh, how much do they get paid? What happens behind the scenes? If you missed that conversation, I highly suggest you go to drlory.com. You check out the podcast section, and it is yesterday's podcast, so you'll be able to hear that conversation there. Tonight... You can expect the regular Trouble Tuesday, as is every Tuesday. Dr. Lori opens her mailbag. She opens the lines. The text lines are always open. And you get to ask any and all questions related to love, sexuality, relationships. It's a weekly feature, so we're not going to miss it. Seeing as I'm not a therapist, we've invited a psychotherapist in studio with us. Her name is Amanda Luderman. She's here to answer all your questions. She, like Dr. Lori, specializes in sexuality. You can connect with her at amandaluderman.com. So again, it's a good night to call in if you have any questions of your own. If you just you know want to offer up some advice, even if you hear a question that you have experienced maybe or you have thoughts on. You can also comment on that or, you know, just share insight that you may have uh, that actually lead to a question that still leave you wondering. Amanda, thank you for joining us. It is my pleasure. Happy it, to be here. It's always our pleasure to have you. So Amanda usually comes in when Dr. Lori is away. So many of you may recognize her voice. Uh, you can text in or call in. If you're texting us with your questions, it's 514-800. If you are calling us, it's 514-790-0800. And again, as always, you don't have to say your real name and you don't have to type out your name. This could be 100% private. So I do have a few questions that we're going to start off with. The first one is from a gentleman, and he says, I am 49 and have never had sex. Yes, you read that right. I'm 49. I'm still a virgin, and I feel like it's going to drive me crazy. I can talk to a girl in an online forum, but in public, I have panic attacks, and I say stupid things, and I totally lose it. What can I do? Yeah, you're certainly. Uh, you, I know you think this is very rare, but actually, you're a lot. Uh, you're not alone. It's a lot more common than you'd think. Um, one of the umbrella reasons as to why it is common um, that people have issues uh, cultivating meaningful sensual or sexual relationships with other people is because of anxiety. It's exactly it. So uh, there are a couple of skill sets that you could actually. 
uh, you really could work on. Uh, therapy would be great for you if you haven't already uh, spoken to somebody who specializes in uh, what I use the word relationship as a verb and specializes in relationshiping and in bridging that gap between people. You might want to do that. So uh, not only uh, sexual skills, because sometimes the emphasis is placed uh, on sex, unfortunately, instead of on approaching people and on feeling um, more skillful and more confident doing that. So that's uh, I've worked with dozens of uh, people who are not of cl- typical uh, age uh, with regards to shared sexual experiences. And I, I want to also encourage you to never use the word virgin. I'm just, it's my own value thing, but I tend to tell people don't use the word virgin. Why? It, it's a real put down. People really feel that it means they have no sexual experience whatsoever. Um, when really this is a person who has likely 40 years of sexual experience, um, you know, being a sexual person, knowing themselves well, being able to to understand pleasure and understand their whole sexual self. So, so does that mean that somebody who masturbates is no longer a virgin? No, it means that they haven't had shared sexual experience. Okay. And so working to cultivate the skills that would help you enable um, a shared sexual experience that's going to be meaningful and important for you, if that's what you want, then that's huge. But the the tendency around uh, the, the theme or the topic of virginity is usually... Um, religious and shame-based at times, unfortunately. And it's also a real put-down. People immediately lose confidence as soon as they hear the word virgin, if that's something that applies to them. Amanda Luderman joins me tonight on Trouble Tuesday. She's a psychotherapist specializing in sexuality, just like Dr. Lori. Uh, We have a question coming in. It says, is there a cure for a curved penis? Uh, interesting. It's a, uh, this is a very common concern as well. I have had a lot of men, uh, people with penises come into my office and talk to me about how f- they feel that they are deformed one way or the other or afraid of, of having intercourse that could be painful for their partner. Um, so it depends on the extreme of the curvature. There is a, a, a diagnosis. There is something called Peyronie's disease, which refers to the excessive curvature of the penis um, that actually could cause pain uh, to the person. It could be something that needs to be corrected surgically. Um, so it depends. You, you definitely want to speak to a urologist uh, or somebody who you're comfortable speaking with about your sexuality. Your GP, for example, can help you decide whether or not that requires a referral. 7 I know 800 if you want to call in with your question that's 5147900800 or you can text in 5148800 uh, it says if i've worn tampons but never had sex would by me wearing tampons will i still bleed when i have sex okay there's a lot of information there that's based on stereotypical very mythological pieces of information um so first of all Inserting anything into the vagina, some people, depending on their usually, again, religious views, feel either um, it sort of like taints their status of virginity, of purity, one way or the other. Um, Some people really believe that only a shared sexual experience um, of any kind really takes that status, quote unquote, away from you. Unfortunately, it's really it's sad because uh, if if a woman has ever had to have a medical procedure, for example, that involved for um, a intravaginal ultrasound, she might feel that the medical industry, you know, the medical system took her virginity, which is absurd because virginity or ultimately that shared sexual life is something that should be sacred between, you know, her and the decision she makes to have that experience. Right. And there is I believe it's called a hymen. That's broken? Is that the correct? Okay, so the hymen, 
there is a great book, by the way, for anybody who has any questions whatsoever. I've been referring uh, over the years, and I have never mentioned this book on this show. Actually, there's a book called The Guide to Getting It On. It's it's called uh, it, it's called The Guide to Getting It On. It's like the size of a phone book. It's got a ton of short chapters that read super easily. Reads like a magazine or a blog. Uh, and it has tons of great information in it. And the chapter on uh, on the hymen is amazing. Okay, it debunks tons of myths uh, with regards to what it really means to break the hymen. We need to understand. I'm going to take a second to talk about this because. But I want you to yes. talk about this and in detail because I want to ask you what mm-hmm. breaks it. And then there are some country in some countries where there is a hymenoplasty. Exactly. Right. And and does that you know. How yes. do you know if you need one? A lot more to come. Amanda Luderman, a psychotherapist specializing in sexuality, is in studio with us answering our questions. If you want to join in the conversation or have a question of your own, you can text us at 514-800 or you can call us at 514-790-0800. You're listening to Passion on CJAD 800. relationships on the line. Connect with Dr. Lori now. 514-790-0800. Passion. News Talk Radio. CJAD 800. Sitting in tonight is Paris Mansouri. Welcome back to the show. My name is Paris. Dr. Lori is on vacation for the next two weeks and I'm filling in for her for the entire duration. Thank you for joining us. We are keeping the panels as is. So all the regular panels that you're used to listening to, you can expect them. They're going to keep going for the next two weeks. Tonight is Trouble Tuesday, as is every Tuesday. And since Dr. Lori is not here to answer your questions, and since I'm not a doctor or a licensed practitioner that would be able to answer these kind of questions, we have brought in the expert, Amanda Luderman. She's a psychotherapist specializing in sexuality, just like Dr. Lori. She's in studio with us tonight taking your calls and your questions. You can connect with her at amandaluderman.com. Social media handles, how can people find you? Um, You can find me on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. I have a page that's titled Amanda Luderman Psychotherapist. I try to uh, post articles, uh, some that I've written on on Medium. I've posted my blog articles. I've got a Medium account, um, but mostly just up-to-date articles um, and, you know, sexuality news and that sort of stuff on Facebook, on my page. Okay, perfect. So we're talking about uh, losing your virginity Mm -hmm. and for... You know, whether it's religious reasons or psychological reasons or whatever reasons, Mm -hmm. women tend to believe that they lose their virginity after they bleed, after their hymen has been broken. So you mentioned an amazing book, if anyone's just joining us right now. It's called The Guide to Getting It On. True. Mm -hmm. And you say that it's full of information that we may not have gotten in our Mm -hmm. sexual education classes growing up. I I would suspect that's true. (laughs) Perfect. So can you tell us, you know, the whole, not the whole story, obviously, it's a long one, but can you tell us what we need to know about the hymen and answering this lady's question? Because the question was that if you've basically this, uh, the person who has written in said they wore a tampon and they're worried that they are no longer a virgin. Yeah. So unfortunately, um, like I said, it's, it's, it's quite sad. I think that uh, we would assume that with blood would come, you know, the, 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 by breaking the hymen, this idea of breaking through 
you know, something would be the beginning of this chapter um, for for a woman. So, in fact, let me break that, get rid of that right away. I mean, not everyone bleeds when they, quote unquote, uh, lose their virginity, when they have penetrative intercourse for the first time or when they have digital stimulation, meaning are are fingered, are are, um, stimulated with fingers intravaginally for the first time. That's that's a myth. um, And not everyone does. In fact, what what um, uh, what a good way to to understand whether or not you have is also to look at, uh, in a sense, your body. For a lot of people who are naturally flexible, who are very active, um, they're the skin of the of the vaginal canal, the skin of the vagina, of the vulva itself, the muscular uh, the mu- musculature of the female body, you know, might. Uh, have developed in such a way that friction of the vaginal uh, entrance into the vaginal canal is not going to shock any tissue. So, for example, um, uh, people who have experience with gymnastics, you know, in their childhood or horseback or dance or horseback riding or have developed a pelvic floor that is used to a lot of movement or um, or or muscular development, chances are they they just might not bleed. And so... um, in understandably in certain cultures that value the bleeding um upon initial penetration um you know they could get in a little bit of trouble that you know they will assume to have been had um they will it'll have been assumed that they had sex already if they don't bleed and, and you know i think that's of course very troubling and certain women i have spoken with women in my office here in montreal who have endured quite a lot of of emotional abuse based on that kind of a fact so it, it is something that should be educated and it just isn't one of the things i want to mention about the hymen is that it's it is a surrounding it is a round um it's not something you break through it's basically the edge Okay, uh, from along the inside of the canal, there is an, a, a, a round edge a- along the inside that can stretch or grow, right, you know, as you basically it it changes with puberty. So what I want to help you understand is that the older the woman, the less likely she has even an identifiable hymen, whether or not she has a sexual history. So the difficult thing to relate to people, and this is written beautifully in the book, is that if a person is before puberty or is close to puberty, that hymen is a little bit, it is, is less receded. It is, le- it is more visible. So the unfortunate fact is that if a woman was uh, certain to bleed upon first sexual experience, chances are she was very close to puberty. So you know, that in the younger a woman is when she's married, for example, perhaps the more likely she is to bleed. But in general, in a, a developed post-menstruation uh, woman is going gonna, is gonna to have a less uh, v- noticeable, less visible, less interfering hymen. And so it's a, there's a strong likeliness that she will not bleed upon initial intercourse. You're listening to Passion. Amanda Luterman is in studio with us tonight for Trouble Tuesday, taking your text messages and your calls. If you have any questions relating to love, sex, or relationships, please be sure to share them with us. 514-800 for our texters, 514-790-0800 to join us by phone. Uh, Is there, somebody's asking, I'm in my mid-50s looking to find a girlfriend. Where can I do that? Oh, um... Uh, so it, it's a tough thing. It's true. It's, uh, we associate dating apps with younger people. Uh, in fact, that's actually not true. There are tons of people in their 50s on dating apps. And uh, there is an app called Her, which is uh, really popular lately. Yes. Um, for anyone, actually. It's for whether you are um, 
transgender, whether you are you identify as pansexual or yeah, it's super inclusive, yes. super inclusive. It's not discriminatory. You can assume that people will also be, um, from what I understand so far, pretty um, uh, competent when it comes to identify uh, to. Um, uh, interacting with you according to how you want to be identified and that sort of stuff. So her is pretty good. Um, nothing else is coming to mind immediately, but I, I really do encourage you to send me a quick email to amandaluderman at gmail, and I'm happy to send you the resource list that I have at my office um, that I can't think of right this second. But I, I'm happy to share some resources with you um, that I uh, I have written down that I can't remember. Okay. I can tell you from having, and again, I'm not putting myself in the same category as Amanda, but I can tell you I have my friend's parents who are recently divorced mm-hmm. in um, 53 and she's on Tinder and she found a steady relationship and uh, my friend's father also, uh, I believe he's 66 and found someone on Match.com. The one thing I just want to encourage you to do is never lie about your age, never tweak any any info about yourself whatsoever. That is what makes the process difficult and challenging and leads people to not want to talk to each other too much. So, you know, be real, be you, and good luck. I hope you find what you're looking for. We are in studio with Amanda Luterman taking your calls. It's Trouble Tuesday. The next question is, is there anything a person could do to put passion back into a relationship? The one thing in the research on optimal uh, desire in relationships is the one factor that singles out couples who are doing great from couples who are not is that they prioritize their intimacy. So it may sound less than sexy to schedule intimacy or to make distinct time and choice, but there's a saying I use in my office a couple times that makes people laugh. If you want to be the kind of couple that has sex up against the wall when you get home from work, then you actually have to have sex up against the wall when you get home from work. So keep in mind that if there's a life that you want, encourage yourself and your partner to be more courageous, to take a few more risks and, and to have a few more distinct conversations about what it is that you want. And that is, it's one thing to say it, but to schedule it and to kind of be courageous enough. I mean, if you're talking about putting passion in and doing that against the wall, if maybe if that's a a fantasy for one of the partners and they're scared of maybe sharing that, you know, maybe this partner is saying, I want to put the passion back in, but the, their partner feels like things are fine or have lost their drive. How, how do you, if you're, if you're wanting to put the drive back in and the other person isn't as passionate or as interested or as able to for whatever reason. You know, somebody, one of my clients recently just said to me, I think, um, about their couple, I think we're lucky because neither of us lost it uh, because we didn't lose the, we didn't lose desire at the same time. That's what they said to me, that they've wavered back and forth. And as long as one person is willing to take a little bit more of the lead at any given moment, then you'll always be okay. And, you know, everybody goes through chapters where there might be, you know, a little bit of a lull or stressful times in the relationship that lead you to crave more closeness and affection than straight up desire and intimacy. Or sometimes during stressful times, you need straight up sexual, you know, drive. But, um, it, you know, I would say that when it comes to um, like what you were just saying, what did you just say? We were talking about one partner having drive and the other person not, not. and one person really being into it and wanting to experiment and the other person kind of be like, yeah, I'm good. Yeah. When it comes to one person being a little less interested, there usually is, I don't mean to generalize, but there usually is an emotional need that hasn't been met there. 
there might have even been a sexual need that hasn't been met there. So, for example, it's hard to really want something that hasn't been great. So you might want to revisit your sexual script. What what kind of sex? However, um, whatever kind of sex you were having that led to the lull you're in now, put it this way. It wasn't working. Something about it has demotivated continued sex. So if you want to, you might want to go to a therapist together for, you know, I have tons of couples who see me for what I call like the three to six session problems where they just really do need a little, a little, uh, a gentle nudge, a little encouragement to investigate what might have demotivated their sexuality to bring them to where they are now. It's not usually a, oh no, we're not going to make it. It's, it's usually a, what can we tweak? What can we change a little bit? What's the narrative here that isn't being bought into by both people? Okay. So it's just to gain a different perspective. There's nothing wrong with you. That's the other thing I hear Dr. Lori often say is when people say, what's wrong with me? And the question is, there's nothing, the answer is there's nothing wrong with you. You just have to figure out and put your emotions out there, whether it's to your partner or to an expert and just figure out what it is, but there's nothing wrong with you. Right. Everything is figure outable. <laughs> it's coming up to 1030. You're listening to passion and uh, we're going to come back and answer more of your questions. The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. Straight talk that's all-inclusive. Passion with Dr. Lori. News Talk Radio, CJAD 800. Sitting in tonight is Paris Mansouri. Welcome back to the program. My name is Paris. Dr. Lori is on vacation for the next two weeks. She's going to be back in a while. And until then, I'm going to keep her seat warm. And every night, we're going to keep the pace as she keeps it. We're going to have all the regular panels. And tonight, as is every Tuesday, it's Trouble Tuesday. And uh, we have open lines and an open text board, as always. And we're going to answer your questions. And by we, I mean, Amanda Luterman. She's a psychotherapist, and she specializes in sexuality, just like Dr. Lori. You can connect with her at amandaluterman.com. And we've, uh, we've been talking about virginity, or we talked about virginity earlier, and we talked about the hymen breaking and, you know, the cultural significance of that. And we had a couple of people texting in about the word virgin, because you said you don't like that word. And, um, I want to read you a couple of messages we got and I want to mm -hmm. see what you think about them. And by the way, if you want to text in, it's 514-800 for our texters. Uh, one person said, I don't think virgin is a bad term. Maybe it is sexist and is negative if you are a man and women are supposed to be a delicate flower. I wish someone would have stopped me from losing my virginity to my teacher. And that was an added line at the end. Mm. Very interesting. Okay. And then the other person says, why is it that when a man is a virgin, he's a loser? And when a woman is a virgin, she is wise. And the opposite, when a man is not a virgin, he's a stud. When a woman is not a virgin, she's a slut. Yeah. Okay. So first of all, let me just clarify that the word, um, when I say I don't like the word virgin, um, as a clinician, there are words you use that are clinical words um, that are that are useful. Um, and then there are words that are actually more judgment based and are part of our culture and are very much part of how we dialogue certain issues, but they're not necessarily um, clinical words. For example, promiscuity. 
to be promiscuous is not a clinical word. It's not a word that should ever be seen in a psychotherapy session. That's how I was trained. So I, the term sexuality, um, some people use the term hypersexuality. Some people use words like sexual behavior that they may, may not find out of control or excessive for, for their own value system. That's important to, to use. But the term virginity is certainly not a clinical word. And one of the reasons it's not a clinical word is because it is something that in within its definition involves gender inequality. It is fundamentally harmful to one group and not necessarily another in the same kind of way. And now we understand even more from the literature that virginity is all around a pretty harmful word. Like you were saying just before, men... Typically, if uh, if they're virgins later than they feel they should be, they feel inadequate. They may use terms like loser or something that's just that's what what our, what our texture said. I just to clarify yeah. to our listeners who are just joining in, it's Trouble Tuesday. We're answering uh, your texts and your phone calls, and we had a texter say, ask the question, why is it that when a man is a virgin, he's considered a loser? So we're not saying right. that. Just sometimes when listeners just join, they're not that's clear it. on the context of the conversation. So I think it's really important to understand that uh, you know when we say when a a man feels inadequate that he doesn't have some sort of optimal sexual am- amount of sexual experience it usually means society has said that in order to be considered some degree of good enough dude you have to have had a certain amount of sex and you also probably had to have had a certain amount of meaningless casual sex and that's that in and of itself is pretty harmful for someone who you know either doesn't want that or hasn't had it and women are praised for having less sexual experience also as part of uh, something that fuels, you know, men feeling, you know, a little bit better about themselves, right? It's, it, it is certainly um, a man will have perhaps less performative anxiety if he's with a person who has less experience. Um, so all around, if a woman's got tons of experience and a guy has less experience, there is no reason why they cannot have a tremendously gratifying awesome sexual connection. There is nothing that ever changes the long-term likeliness of having meaningful, good sexual um, experiences based on when you started being sexual and that sort of stuff. You know, honestly, though, I have to say growing up here uh, is one cultural experience. And I can only imagine what it's like for people who are coming in from another country or have had a different cultural upbringing, even though they grew up in Canada. I lived in Egypt for a while. I'm not Egyptian. Um, I'm not Arab. I, you know, I didn't know their mentality. And I remember when I was working there, there was one lady in our office, she was getting married. And um, she was at that time, she was 28 years old. She was a virgin. And uh, she was just talking about how nervous she was. Like we're just having a girly conversation at the office. And, you know, she was very open about, you know, how nervous she was and how worried she was. And she was like, but you know, I have a cousin who's American and she has Cosmo magazine. And so, so there was a Cosmo (laughs) magazine that she was reading to kind of like get herself ready. But she was like, but I'm now nervous because I know these things that I'm supposed to do, but I don't want to act like I know them. And I'm like, but what do you mean? She's like, because my aunt and my mom all tell me that I have to lie down on my back and just not do anything at all and let my husband do everything he wants to do, but I'm not supposed to do okay, anything. There's a lot wrong with that. There's a right? lot, there's a lot dangerous with that. that yeah. Beyond. So it was just really okay. interesting for me. I mean, I mean, mm-hmm. I was, you know, in my early twenties at the time, listening.
listening to this and it was just so interesting to me that first of all, I mean, by my early twenties, I'd read plenty of Cosmos, but for her, like she'd read one and to her, it was the equivalent of pornography Mm -hmm. and learning these things. She was almost like feeling guilty that Mm -hmm. she knew how to do these things. So I can only imagine that, you know, some of our listeners as well might be going through that or, or might have, or might be the parent of a child who is bicultural Mm -hmm. or their parents who have conservative beliefs and who are maybe thinking, oh my goodness, my daughter's in an environment or my son is in an environment where they're getting all these thoughts put Mm -hmm. into their heads. So as, you know, somebody who does see patients, how do you reconcile that? How do you reconcile somebody's culture and somebody's upbringing when it comes to concerns like this? Yeah, I mean, this is... Again, this is a lengthier conversation, unfortunately, than I would be able to to do justice uh, to tonight. Um, there's a lot of what you're saying is a, is uh, is very true that people have ideas of what they should do and what should be done to them, what they should do, with, what should be done to them during um, sexual uh, interactions. And what I can tell you across the board, if I could have one thing that everybody remembers, is when you are having sex, be in tune to to yourself be in tune to what feels right for you comfortable for you safe for you because sex is only ever as good as you feel deeply relaxed about the experience your orgasms are only going to come as easily as regularly and as satisfied you know you're only going to be as satisfied um as you feel truly comfortable um in the situation and comfort means your needs matter your safety matters and not um you know if you're, if you are, if what's dictating your sexual experience is ideas of what you think should be going on, what you should be doing, then chances are, you know, you're not in tune to your body and you could actually engage in a behavior that wouldn't feel good. You know, like penetration, for example, is a very involving experience for anybody who's ever had it, you know, to, to involve the, the internal musculature of your body means you really have to be ready for that sensation. And so if you're lying there ready to take it, so to speak, then um, as many, many of my clients have told me, um, just because you're married doesn't mean that it feels good. Just because you're with somebody you love, unfortunately, doesn't mean you're aroused. So it really is so important to tap into your genital sensations, your body posture, to know that you're, ah, that you're relaxed, that you're comfortable, and to communicate those feelings. Just because it's your wedding night doesn't mean that you have to be ready to do anything. It's okay to say, I love you and I'm happy to be here with you and I'm not ready yet. I hope everyone heard that because I think there's a tremendous amount of of pressure, regardless of what culture you're from. Mm -hmm. Uh, We actually had a few more texts come in speaking about virginity, somebody mentioning that it originates from the Bible and talking about it religiously and morally that I'd love to talk about. Somebody else talking about... um, Something not really related, but kind of related. There's a hypocrisy when a partner asks you about um, how many partners you've had and the number of partners you've had. So Mm. we're going to talk about that coming up. You're listening to Passion. We're on every weeknight from 10 to 11 p.m. talking love, sex, and relationships. Tonight is Trouble Tuesday, which means we've got a licensed psychotherapist in to answer your questions, Amanda Luterman is here for the whole hour for just a little bit longer. So make sure to get in your questions at 514-800 and you can connect with her at amandaluterman.com. It's Sex Out Loud and you're welcome to listen in. Passion on CJAD 800. 
Welcome back to the program. My name is Paris Mansouri. I'm sitting in for Dr. Lori. She's on vacation for the next two weeks. And tonight is Trouble Tuesday, which means we are answering your questions. And again, by we, I don't mean me. I'm not in any way certified to answer any of your questions. So that's why the expert is in studio. Amanda Luderman, she is a licensed psychotherapist specializing in sexuality, just like Dr. Lori. So it's almost like she was still here, but except you get a curly-haired, blue-eyed version. (laughs) Uh, We've actually, it's interesting, we were speaking during commercial break and uh, Amanda was mentioning how, you know, we've kind of gotten onto this conversation about virginity Mm -hmm. and that, you know, we never know where the conversation is going to lead, but that's where the text is going. Uh, We have another texter who wrote in, the word virgin originates in the Bible and is therefore religiously and morally as opposed to ethically and scientifically based and consequently is outdated and inapplicable in today's modern social and evolved standards. Amen. Thank you very much for that. You're saying amen, but a lot of people who have mm-hmm. deep religious values mm-hmm. and morals and live their lives based on that, it's not outdated. Well, no, it's not that. It, no, no, no. Um, the term itself is outdated in the sense that, uh, you know, it, it's like she was saying, uh, this person, whoever that person is, um, thank you for saying that and, and for making that so clear. According to science and clinical usage of the term, uh, it's just judgment laden and judgment laden means, um, you know, it's, it comes from a different time, let's say. So it's not outdated in the sense that yes, people still absolutely feel judged when the word is used. Uh, and it, it informs a lot of people's sexual confidence, sexual narratives in general. It makes people, you know, not want to have more numbers on their list, for example. So they marry somebody because they didn't want to have more than three on their list or something, you know, where they, people even get married because they had sex and they are, they feel that they're not supposed to have been with more than one person. Uh, so they end up in very unhappy relationships. So it does inform it. It's not outdated in that sense. No, but it is an outdated term that, uh, like I said, I try to use the term shared sexual experience or, you know, not yet, you know, for example, like people who have not yet shared their sexuality. And speaking of, um, hypocrisy or unfairness another texter wrote another hypocrisy i have seen is some men ask you how many partners you have had and they don't want that number to be high yet they like you being experienced which is that is the that is the infamous um madonna whore complex is it not the uh the infamous idea that a person that that, uh, a woman should be both pure and super sexy and you know um, when a man, particularly a man with a woman, um, is asking that sort of a question, I would firstly deem, deem the question inappropriate. Um, I sadly, really, yes. it's inappropriate to I ask. Would cons- not because you want to keep a secret from him, but because he's seeking likely to create a judgment about you based on that number. So the best answer, if a guy ever asks you, how many people have you been with? The best answer is, um, you know, I'm capable of enjoying sex with you regardless of how many people I'm I've been with. If that's, that's what your concern is, such a I'm, good answer. I'm looking at being with you. So maybe don't look at my resume, but look at how good I could be at this job. That is such a good answer to that <laughs> question. But what if you're asking, what if that question's being asked in a shared moment where you're sharing with each other? Like it, mm-hmm. it often comes up when you're about to get intimate with someone or you're just having that like fun, casual conversation of like, let's get to know each other. Oftentimes it's like the first five date kind of questions so what if it is being like asked 
Uh, I would probably um, not. I mean, obviously, the person's going to feel like you're avoiding giving your number regardless. And unfortunately, if that's a focus, this litter that frankly, this person might not be a very good relationship dialoguer. But what I would suggest asking is what would the conclusions you would draw be depending on my answer? If I said less or if I said more, what would that mean for you about me? What would that mean for how you might treat me and whether or not you want to see me again? Oh, but you just got heavy and he's probably just going to say, man, I just, or she's probably just going to say, I'm just asking like just to get an, an idea. I mean, it's not a big deal. Like you didn't have to go and make it such a big deal, Amanda. Like- <laughs> well, these things are important to people, right? People want to be able to have a strong, hearty sexual self-esteem. And we are all looking for reasons why we're inadequate. That's what anxiety does. And, you know, nervousness about anything has you look for the thing that's going to, that's going to try to prevent whatever nervousness you have. Um, you know, even rejection in general, uh, you know, we try to think up the reasons why we would be rejected prior to them coming up as a way to protect ourselves. It's, it's a very normal response. It is a completely normative response. It's not something abnormal at all. Okay. So I guess if somebody's also asking the number, let's say some, a man or a woman ans- answers, they've been with over 50 partners or they've had, um, more than one gender be their partner. Sure. Um, those are definitely questions that come up, but maybe sometimes that question is getting asked because a person's uh, concerned about sexually transmitted infections, diseases. Then they should ask that question. Okay. But see, one of the things, if, they're, if you're alluding to a concern you have by asking a question that would be three steps away from that concern that you have, I suggest asking the concern. For example, it is okay to say, have you been tested? Are you clean? Or, you know, can we go test it, get tested together before having sex? Um, I mean, without a doubt, this was, this is something that uh, obviously as somebody in the sex therapy world, you know, it's not such a big deal to go get tested. It's a very, very, uh, uh you know, easily talked about thing in, in, in my circles. Uh, it would be something you, you know, do you want to go get a drink? Well, let's go get tested and get cocktails afterwards. You know, invite your friends to go get tested with you. It should not be a big deal. But if that is a conversation that's difficult to have and you're asking other questions like how many people have you been with as a way to gear, to, to decide, to sort of gauge um, how, whether or not that person's safe, to be perfectly honest and research shows the more partners someone has been with, the more likely they are to have been tested and to have had safe sex. We know we know that monogamy does not protect against STIs. We know that people who cheat, chances are, did not use condoms with either of their partners. We know that people in non-monogamous relationships who value multiple partners and having different erotic experiences are more likely to get tested regularly. Interesting. We've got... I'm going to try to get in these two uh, last texts. They're just more statements. Uh, one of our texters says, maybe if the man is looking for a relationship and asks this, so asks for the amount of numbers of partners you've had, could be an indication for a judgmental personality and we should avoid this person. And then we have another texter who's uh, gone back to the subject of virginity and they say, just because one chooses to uphold and abide by more ancient uh, practices as opposed to relatively modernized beliefs sure. and standards, it doesn't necessarily mean that such standards are not simultaneously outdated. Oh, absolutely. And thank you for saying that. I would never want to, uh, you know, um, imply that there's anything wrong with upholding religious values uh, and and having 
uh, having those choices as a part of your life. I just want to, I, I certainly do want to condone choice making in all of this and not necessarily behaving from shoulds or the assumption that there's, you know, that you're chewed gum. Um, if you've had sex with multiple partners, right? That, that, uh, adage has been, you know, passed on through generations. I, I love, there was a meme that went around for a while that said, remember, you're never chewed gum if you've had multiple sexual partners. You are an everlasting gobstopper. <laughs> I just love that. Um, you know, sexuality is very much about, um, uh, about choices. And it, it really is about making intentional, mindful, um, careful, good decisions so that you can enjoy and reap the benefits. Wonderful. And we are officially out of time. It goes so quickly. I want to thank all of you for texting in your questions. I want to thank Amanda Luterman for joining us and for answering the questions. You can connect with her at amandaluterman.com. Social media handles? Uh, Amanda Luterman on Instagram, on Facebook, Amanda Luterman Psychotherapy. I'm on Twitter as well, uh, and I have a Medium account, all just using my first name and last name. I'm pretty easy to find. So Amanda, A-M-A-N-D-A, and Luterman is L-U-T-E-R-M-A-N. Thank you again for joining us. That's it for us. Thank you for tuning in. I want to thank our technical producer, Brian Kalisar, for getting this show to air. You've been listening to Passion. We're on tomorrow night with the, um, we're going to talk BD BDSM tomorrow night. It's the alternative sex panel. And somebody had a question last night. I didn't forget. We're going to talk about dungeons as well. So make sure you tune in. If you want to connect with me, it's at Paris Mansuri on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you so much for tuning in. News is next. Have a great rest of the evening and remember to live your life with passion. <laughs>